0: Quality is subjective. Resonance, you can measure, right? Resonance yeah, okay. is a... That's yeah. a
1: great frame for that, yeah. ...a
0: scientific yeah. phenomena that you can like, despite your opinion, something has a certain degree of resonance or not. And it is
1: spread sure. and is talked about or is not.
2: Yeah. But sure. I and, guess... The, and yeah,
0: the, the incentives that exist around resonance are actually controversy. Like, why is David Beckham one of the most famous footballers in the world? Is it because he takes great free kicks? Yes, and he married one of the most famous women in the world at the time. Had all of these like mental scandals going on around him. He won the genetic lottery and he's fucking beautiful, right? It's like all of these different things.
2: (laughs) This this transcript has had the most, this NIA transcript has had the most handsomes mentioned in any of our uh, 150 plus episodes. And like
0: the cross ref, like I guess the cross reference of this point back to everything else we talked about is true too, right? Like the, is the Birkenstock the best sandal in the world to like the sandal connoisseur? Probably not. But is it like the sandal that exhibits the best qualities of The first, or like, you know, the best quality is the sandal that's most accessible to the most number of people, yes. Yes.
1: Right. All right, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NIA gang here today. Trunk fan, Jack Butcher, Bilal Zaidi. What's going on, boys? Busy, busy week.
2: We just had Canadian Thanksgiving. You guys know the running joke I mentioned every year. We front run all American holidays. So (laughs) Canadian Thanksgiving is six weeks before American. And then never forget Canada Day. July first is three days before July. That's 4th.
1: hilarious. Well, that's hilarious. So, uh, so, did you do anything? Was it like? Is it a whole family thing, or it's not as?
2: It's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a p it's like the total AAA version, a triple baseball version of American Thanksgiving. It's not as wild and like uh and gluttonous, but like we we got a turkey on on a Sunday, had uh had some sirloin at my brother's yesterday because I'm like, bro, can you mix up the meats? I can't be doing two turkey dinners. I got turkey on Sunday. Can you give me something else on Monday?
1: Go, good, good problems to have, man. All right, you guys. Um, Things been good, there. I think both Jack and I had family in town, so we've been busy with that. But apart from that, it's been all good, man. I think we're gonna let's let people know what we're talking about. The David Beckham documentary is doing the rounds. There's a few funny clips. We're gonna share one. It's a meme of the Meme of the week in a second. We're gonna talk about David Beckham's life and the Netflix doc. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about the Birkenstock IPO. Trunk, I know you're a Birkenstock man. When I met you in person, you were rocking Well, the I'm about to ask
2: you guys if you're Birkenstock. We will talk about that later. But a $10 billion IPO backed by Bernard Arnault's family old office. Old matey himself. Yeah, there we go, buddy. Exactly. Like This is serious. All right.
1: Uh, and then we're going to get old school. We're going to talk a little bit about Shakespeare as it relates to SBF. Uh, obviously, SBF is someone we've talked a lot about on the show, founder of FDX, and there's, there's a lot of stuff coming out from this new book. Uh, so, yeah, let's just get straight into it. I'll share my screen here for Meme in a Week. There's only one place to start with this. I think you guys have already seen this, but let me just do it here. One second. One second. Can you guys see this? It's the TikTok version? Yes, sir. There we go. Okay, this is... Victoria Beckham talking in the Netflix. This doc. one
2: made the rounds on the interwebs. So I'm I mean, look sure at the number of views. I mean,
1: this is crazy. Here, is like, David
2: Beckham calling out his wife Victoria Beckham in a very lighthearted, funny manner? His wife. Here we yeah.
1: go. <laughs> I just fancied him, I mean it was as simple as yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think also we both come from families that work really hard. Both of our parents work really hard. We're very working. Working class. Be, honest. I, I Be honest. honest. I am being honest. I am being honest. What did your dra- dad drive you to school in? So, my dad did, No, Why not? My dad. <laughs> what well, car was it? Right, it's not a simple answer
2: what because.
0: Car, what car did you get your dad to drive?
2: It you depends. To in? No, 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 no. Okay, what in car? the 80s, what? my dad had a Rolls Royce. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Door closes. That is incredible.
2: He community noted his wife. So good, dude. But I, I, look,
1: that was so good. Go on. No,
2: no, no. Go on. I just—it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life.
1: So good. Yeah, I mean, he literally just calling out straight up, and uh, yeah, I mean, if people don't remember, for our younger listeners, I mean, Victoria Beckham was the posh Spice of the Spice Girls. There were all of them. There's Baby Spice, you know. The Her scary name is spice. Posh yeah exactly so her name was posh Wait. by so uh there was a little bit in the name there but yeah david beckham keeping it real man that was beautiful to watch
2: well let um, me segue right into it though with this yeah so i mean you guys are british cats and my takeaway from the documentary was this i knew about becks and posh right like even in canada and as it's shown in the documentary when when beckham went to la in the 2007 i mean tom cruise Will Smith and like the biggest actors at the time, things have happened since for both of those actors, but like biggest actors at the time were throwing a party for David Beckham. Like it was a huge deal. Can you guys tell me, growing up in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, how big of a deal David Beckham was?
0: Yeah, I mean, massive. pretty big, man. That Jack, was as big as yeah, it got well, in the UK for sure. Like, think, we a
2: on LeBron level in America. For I mean, I
0: think, no, I think he's like, he crossed over so many different things. Like he was the first like poster boy footballer as well. I think that was the big, like, and the spice girl possible, crossover. Yeah. yeah. The spice girl crossover was like every person with a, like cerebral cortex knew about this, this guy.
2: What, what do you mean? So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, dude, he and like how big he was in asia do you you, you remember that part of the documentary Jazz? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's the thing even trying what you said
1: like lebron obviously lebron's huge but this in a way was i mean it's even bigger because it's a global thing football's a bigger sport than basketball yeah. and it wasn't about sport for him even though he was actually a really good sports player too it was like he was the first like real football icon that was like a pop icon to me anyway that level like superstar status, massive in Asia. Obviously, there was like massive footballers before that everyone knew, but this was oh, you're doing fashion stuff with him. You're doing like yeah, he's, yeah. he might turn up in a music video, like you know. So it was <laughs> a completely different level. I mean, the one that always stands out to me, Jack. I don't know if you ever watched the Ali G Comic Relief. Because uh, Trung, have you had a Comic Relief? It's like Red Nose Day. It's kind of like a big charity thing, especially in the UK. It's in the US as well. But they would do this like thing on live TV where the whole country is basically watching, and uh, there's an incredible interview of him and David. I've Beckham. seen that.
2: that. So he's so only that, that. interview is from this thing you mentioned, this charity. Yeah, that interview. Yeah,
1: that's where it's from. It's it's for like live ah. charity thing. Yeah.
2: That makes sense though, as to why uh, they would allow that to happen, right? Because it, it, it's actually for a good cause. Because he got roasted.
1: Oh, he was dude. so. I mean, with today's lens, watching what the things he was saying, <laughs> that he's getting away with saying is like crazy.
2: Well, dude, there's a line in that interview. They go, why'd you name uh, your son Brooklyn? Is like, oh, because he was conceived in Brooklyn. And then LG is like, yeah, me and my me and me, Julie, we named our son like the parking lot behind
1: Berger KFC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah.
2: like, oh my god, the bugs in up. KFC
1: in uh in like wherever he's from, stains or whatever. Yeah, pretty. So you like, wanna he's so yeah. he's
2: just like. So explain this to me. How good of a footballer was he?
0: Yeah, he was honestly watching under the under. documentary like. It, it, I underestimated his football career over the last, like, 20 years. Like, some of the shit he did, just unbelievable. Insane.
2: Like, set-piece master.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Incredible. That that was the biggest, like, most shocking thing, I think, for watching the documentary. Like, I was obviously – everybody knows who David Beckham is, watching play for England. I didn't watch, like, every Man United game when I was 11 or 12, so I didn't really know, like, the extent of how prolific he was as a as a player then, but, uh, yeah, it was a great, great documentary, man. Four, four good hours spent watching it. And like the shit that they had to endure as like a public entity was just insane. Insane. Yeah. And that was the
1: height of the tabloids too, right? Like the British tabloids famously are not very forgiving. Like, you know, all the stories about Piers Morgan and, and what those guys did with like digging up old, stuff from people who even passed away, allegedly, um, and stuff like that, like from their phone records. So that's the level they would go to. And I haven't watched the documentary yet, but there's probably this arc of him becoming public enemy number one. Oh, man,
0: when you you see him, like, many missed, when he uh, uh, got the red card. Against Argentina. What year was
2: that? Was it 98 98 World
0: Cup? Yeah, 98. France 98, right? So that was a
2: huge thing,
1: eh? It was massive because they basically blamed it on him. And... Because uh, England like got knocked out there and it was like a really crazy kind of moment. Against then, Argentina. Oh, Argentina.
2: Falkland War uh, combative. You yeah. and, uh, well, I mean, so I did know about England and Argentina's history. Obviously, for the listeners that don't know, uh, uh, England Argentina went to war in 1982. It was a, uh, quite a small one, uh, but it was in the Falkland Islands off uh, in, the, in the Atlantic Ocean. It was between the English and the Argentinians, right? And then 1986, four years later, they played in the World Cup, super 96, blood 96, 96. Yeah, 86, no, no, 86. Oh, when, uh, oh later.
1: Oh, got Maradona, it. Sorry, sorry.
2: Remember when Maradona did the hand of God?
1: Oh, okay, okay, got the it. Hand yeah, of yeah,
2: okay. God, dude. Maradona did it just his career so poetic. He had the biggest cheat in World Cup history, and then four minutes later he had the greatest goal in World Cup history. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? that the, the one where yeah. he runs from half is like so. That happens. So those two countries. Um, I mean, listen. People, we're gonna talk about some of this Israel stuff later in this episode because now I'm talking about two countries, and like we didn't mention at the top, but we have some like small media-related thoughts. But having said that, like back to the Beckham uh, uh, documentary, is like they brought that up from the '98, right? This is all Argentina, England, and then guys, tell me if this makes sense. So, do you guys remember when uh, LeBron was with Cleveland in 2010 and he signed with Miami? He did the whole like ESPN show taking my dad to South Beach. People lost their mind. Um, I'm guessing it was that, that times a million Beckham.
0: Oh man. Unbelievable. Yeah. And like the stuff was, you, yeah, gone. I, I was just going to say the everywhere he played and like all of the man, the, the, the controversy that followed him around basically country to country, like whatever he was doing, wherever he was, there was something like just as a function of being that wrapped up in like the pop culture news cycle. It's just carnage everywhere they went.
1: And I think, Jack, the other thing is, it was, to paint a picture, trunk, like that world of football back then was all about the hard man, especially in England. It was like, you celebrate the hard tackling, strong English guy. Cantona, Cantona yeah. But, but Cantona, Cantona? At least had like, Cantona, he was like a, a French footballer that was like, you know went into the crowd and kicked someone basically but was also to be fair an oh, incredible oh, like player test. right so went into yeah the yeah. Crowd.
2: Okay, yeah he okay, literally okay. like
1: did a flying kick into the crowd Ooh, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it was pretty crazy but that like that back then there were some really good players but it was there it was if you're like a guy who's shaving his head or got these big curtains like he did with his hair and put in jail on being in fashion shows it was the complete opposite of what you want a typical yeah, Roy Keane, exactly like crunching, breaking people's legs, sort of guy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, also a very good player. But um, so it was everything he did on the pitch kind of had to be perfect in a way because he was fighting against that image to a certain extent. So I think he kind of revolutionized that for a lot of footballers, too, in a way, uh, especially in the Premier League. And then his manager at the time, Sir Alex Ferguson, who's like arguably the best manager or top three managers. Yeah, top three manager of all time he was known for being the hardest guy. Like he would literally throw stuff in the changing room, like throw chairs at people, like that sort of guy. Oh, he bruised
2: Beckham. I think there was a scene, right? He hit him with a shoe.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's just, it is quite incredible. Like given all of that, how he kind of rose to the top. And just to answer your original question, like how good was he? I think he was, you know, at a stage, he was probably a top player in his position, like top three to five player in his position, but not like, you know there were so many amazing players at the time. You know, yeah. But he did go. He went to Real Madrid when in what was called the Galacticos Galacticas. era. Yeah, and they had like you know the old Ronaldo R nine. uh, They had Figo. Dan Ronaldo Zidane. who is
2: still an animal.
1: It's still an animal, <laughs> exactly. So he, he was in that team, exactly.
2: Well, dude, there's a scene that you I know Bilal will, love. Bilal will just lose his mind when he's watching Doctor. The uh, show when uh, when the man you played uh, Real Madrid a year before went to Real Madrid. And Zizo, who he obviously looked up to. I mean, I guess oh, he's considered one of the top five players ever, right? Yeah, yeah. He's and, in uh, next level, yeah. Beckham went, uh, he just told me, he's like, uh, he just goes, uh, you come to Real Madrid? He's like, I, c- I couldn't believe that Zizou. This is, like you said, right? Beckham's one of the biggest stars in the world. And then, like, he's just, like, in shock that this guy would say this to him. And... Uh, Yeah, again, we don't want to get too much on the sports side, but I think everything we've touched on the the fame is super interesting. Like how famous this guy was. And it was like something you said, but I was like, how he was able to rise, the shit that they took. And like, listen, I know that this is like, they greenlit this documentary and sanitized for in that respect. But I I came out thinking I had so much, like truly respect for them because like, listen, they have all the benefits of being how famous they are too, right? But look, you know, you know, when you hear people, it's like, you don't actually want this life. And like, I'm looking at that and everything you just described that these guys had to go through, like Victoria and David, and for them to still come out, like, uh, with a pretty clean image and having accomplished so much, I, I just walked away and like, man, like, uh, he looks soft, but he's got, he's gritty. He's a gritty he's
0: dude. Yeah. He's tough, man.
1: Well, And then I was just going to add to that, really, because he kind of is a bit of a... Like in that clip, he comes across as he's like a real working class person, like his background. He actually, we were born in the same hospital from the same place, Leytonstone in East London. Like he's a proper East London lad. He's like a cockney. Um, and so like when she's saying, oh, I came from a working class background, he's like taking it personally. He's like, look, I'm from this background <laughs> sort of thing.
0: Uh, his dad was I- a kitchen fitter, I think. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 exactly exactly i've never even
2: yeah. heard the term kitchen, kitchen <laughs> I, is that just plumber? is that just like a plumber in america no it's is like uh maker?
0: you would put like cabinets and okay and a, cabinet, a cabinet yeah, maker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, would, yeah.
1: cabinet maker okay yeah oh yeah make that's D- like f- they would come and DFS sort you whatever D- yeah, that's yeah. what i was trying to remember the name of it yeah let
2: yeah. me uh let me throw up uh another one the second week in a couple of weeks uh, the, the story of the father's embedded in the son Reference to David Senra's podcast founders when he talks about Francis Ford Coppola, and how Francis Ford Coppola says you can understand every every person, every at least every male. The story is embedded of the father and the son. What what was Beckham's middle name? Beckham was middle uh, name Bobby Robert. Was named after one of the greatest Manchester United players ever. Oh right? yeah, right. Yeah. like Charleston. Yeah, yeah, Charleston. It's like that. Uh, so think about the pressure Charlton, from a sorry. young age, Charlton. Yeah, like, uh, the pressure his father put on him, and like, they again, I, I, I it seemed pretty positive in the end, like, it wasn't like, uh, uh, like this Tiger Woods Earl Woods thing that we talked about, but like, David did talk about I Was like, my father was coaching me very hard in football, like, from a very young age, like, he'd make me take corner kicks hundreds and thousands of times. And like yell at me if I didn't get the exact spot, right? So there it is. It's another uh story the father's embedded in the son. Yeah,
1: definitely, man. So I definitely think I will watch it. Maybe there'll be more to talk about after. Uh the last thing I was just gonna mention was the Greece game. Did they did you get to that part, Trunk? Yeah. Uh but that was kind of the full arc. It was like he was at public enemy number one in ninety eight the whole country basically hated him because of the way the press did it. And then in, I think, was it 2002 maybe? The Greece thing? So the, I think it was a qualifier for the Euros or something, but it was like a last minute free kick. And it's like David Beckham is the king of free kicks. Yeah. Steps up, like the whole world is watching him and he steps up and scores the most incredible free was kick. It a, was loss. it penalties or a free it
2: kick from the kick, oh, It was a free kick, like from outside, outside oh, the oh, box. Oh, oh, and like insane. Messi style uh, at, at Miami
1: top bag top yeah. top yeah, top. <laughs> top bins right in the corner <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was beautiful well, you, you guys will no laugh beautiful.
2: and uh you know uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of uh alpha. You, you guys give me so much like a uh, london swag like today i just learned about kitchen fitter or english swag um uh, <laughs> the hockey hockey <laughs> lingo which you guys might not know <laughs> yeah even though uh even though nashville has a hockey team for some reason uh but apparently they get filled out right so the hockey players, I grew up a lot of them. They had their own lingo. But uh, when they go top net, what did you guys call it? Top bin? Top bin. Yeah. If you hit the top corner in uh, in hockey, you call it top cheese. <laughs> the, oh, the old geez. top cheese. <laughs> oh, I am skating around this guy. Oh, top cheese. But uh, the last Fucking thing I'd say up. about it. Uh, let me end the, the with this documentary. Uh, that Bilal will watch, uh, is it ended, it, it ended on a great note? It ended with uh, a Messi's kick in the first game because obviously Beckham is an owner of the Miami uh, uh, FC and he created that great deal that we talked about in the past with uh, Los Angeles FC. And when he came to, oh, sorry, Los Angeles Galaxy, they left
0: that out of the, the dock though, didn't yeah, they? Which was a shame. They
2: talk about the business side where
1: he's if, like, Yeah, that's a bit. Funny. I wonder why they maybe it's like less of an interesting that they would. Didn't want to talk so much people. about business or something. They were
2: definitely catering to, yeah, it was a more than the pop star of- angle. People
0: maybe wouldn't have come away with that much, uh, you know.
2: Oh, yeah, they'd be like, oh, this admiration. guy's just
1: a Yeah, this guy's just oh, filthy he rich. Bought an yeah. M-
2: he bought an MLS team for 10 million, it's worth yeah. 500 million now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, but, That's you know, a great NIA point. listeners would appreciate that, yeah. trip, that would storyline know. for sure. There yeah. we go. The guy
1: All
0: that right. they were interviewing that was his business partner, is that the guy you think, I forget his name, but I wonder if he's the guy that, that helped set all that stuff up.
2: Yeah, I think that... A people yeah, played yeah. with
0: him at United. There were so many good quotes from him. He's like, I know I'm never going to be as good as this guy, so I better become his mate. And yes. then he ends up like... <laughs> well, he used to play away. with him
1: at Man United. He was
0: in it? a youth squad or something, yeah.
1: Oh, got yeah. it. Okay, okay.
2: Oh, that is... Hello- dude, dude well, here's a super last one, I promise, is the, the, from the Real Madrid team. None of those guys spoke English, but they became best friends with Roberto Carlos. So Roberto Carlos, for people who don't remember, Bilal definitely was. like oh, He's, he's what, a what, legendary uh, Brazilian defenseman, Left but back. he's a very offensive defenseman. He scored one of Google, the best
1: free kicks of all time.
2: YouTube, YouTube Roberto Carlos free kick. It was like from halfway.
1: It looks he, like it's AI.
2: Yeah, it looks like it's AI. He Fake. bent it around. He literally bent the ball and people did with his like, outside of his left it. foot
1: too so it, and it oh went like the goodness. other way like boomeranged around it was not like a normal inside of the foot like curling yeah. it it was just insane. blast It is insane insane
2: but what, uh yeah, yeah I know Bilal will appreciate that when he watches it because those two didn't speak English but they, they got it they talked but well, Bex didn't speak a lot of Spanish and then uh, Roberto Carlos didn't speak a lot of English and uh a game recognizes
1: and game game, in game those recognizes situations.
2: game well here I got one more for Bilal I'll tee him up Let's, uh, i know there was a bit of a scandal with beckham they kind of touched on it uh somebody accused him of having an affair while he was in real Madrid. the side
1: pace yeah yeah
2: ha- handsomest cat in the game beautiful man like, in the in that time there was two guys there's brad pitt and there's david beckham that's it that that was it those are the one a one b of good-looking cats and uh they asked him there's a reporter asking him in the documentary he's like hey listen a lot of women are throwing their, their panties at you in Spain. Like, what's going on? And they're like, "I'm like, I can't believe you asked him that." The reporter during the document, he's like, "Listen, I'm very happily married." I'm like, "This guy." I heard just, that he. Like I heard he
1: played everything down pretty well. Like they were able to kind yeah. of push it under the rug because that could easily be its own scandal, right? Like it was.
2: Oh well, they, they yeah they don't mention her name. They just talk about how difficult.
1: How difficult it was for the guess. marriage? Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying he's a good-looking cat. We can move on to Birkenstock now.
1: I get you. Yeah, yeah. Great transition. Anything else, Jack, before we cut out? You finished it. So uh, any parting thoughts, mate? That was just class, man.
0: His house in England is just incredible, man. That was one of my Whoa. favorite bits, too. Where, is it in
1: Cheshire or something? What a Double spread,
0: lake. mate. What a spread he's got Dude. set up down there. They're doing a little beekeeping. <laughs> got a little lake on there. A little be- outdoor be- barbecue thing, man. He's living. He's that living. lives
1: like. Where is it? Is it in? in it's Cheshire got to be Cheshire or? somewhere. Yeah,
0: somewhere yeah, yeah. in
1: like the country, vibe. Mate, Lovely. Him and Dave as uh, Like Michael he's Owen. He's in the flat cap
0: and the wax jacket, barber you know, jacket, country price. boy. Yeah. No, That's it, mate. Uh, mate, incredible what they built for sure.
1: That's Jack in ten, fifteen years. Yeah, some yeah. countryside life, mate. dog running around, that'd barber nice, jacket on.
0: That'd be a nice little setup, Yeah. That would yeah. be
1: nice. Well, and then you just come back to Wall Street for your pub in the morning and exactly, fish and chips at man. night. He's got this little
0: that... little football pitch that he had. Uh, you know the closing scene of it. Uh, trying. I don't know oh, if you didn't see scene. the end of it. I,
2: I, no, I saw the end. It was right. incredible. Mate, he's house, got this
0: little wooden yeah, football wooden. He's got single uh, pieces pitch. of
2: mushrooms. He, just, he says he spent like the room that Jack described, the beekeeping room is next to like this barbecue pit, whatever. I don't know what's going on in that room, but he was frying up Single pieces of mushrooms from his garden, and just like tasting, I'm like, dude, you're you're living, dog, uh, living a good know, life, man. I listen. Yeah. I know we're supposed to move on. I gotta say, this guy looks so good at he 48. He looks incredible. Yeah, oh,
0: he looks so great, crazy. man. Yeah, Bro, good looking lad.
2: No one looks better with tattoos. To be David fair, Beckham.
1: Victoria also looks great. oh Victoria looks like, great. Both. Yeah, and Victoria she's also great. comes across very beyond just her looks. Like she's funny. Like I thought the way she handled, like even the Ali G video. Like if people go yeah, on she's YouTube, funny. Ali G david beckham victoria beckham david beckham's in the corner like a little quiet kid in a classroom as ali G roasted. would say and then victoria's like on the front foot like bantering take because ali g says some wild stuff to her about like but the song dancing. that is sung about her yeah yeah she's playing around so I, I think she she's like definitely a big part of their their empire too so i think she's really 100 oh, incredible yeah um all right boys should we move on very good chat um let's talk about birkenstock ipo 10 billion dollars flipping it from five billion is it one or two years ago i think this yeah. private equity company right so i Strong, do you want to break it down for us i know you were writing yeah, about yeah so this i'll give a newsletter. quick
2: tldr for you guys first of all how many pairs of birkenstocks do you own
1: <laughs> key question i
2: you got two you got two there we go okay what about celia what about celia how many does celia have You are mute mute. Yeah, you're on mute. Probably more than than two. Probably more than two. Yeah. You're gonna laugh. Here's a stat before Bilal answers, and I think Bilal's gonna say zero. But the average American owner of Birkenstock has three point six pairs.
1: There you go, man. That's crazy. (laughs) So, point blah, six blah, how many is pairs key. you got? No, I do have zero, but I've been wanting to get them for some time. And my girlfriend is them. always like, I don't think it's going to suit you. And then I'm like, I need to go find one that I Bro. like. But
0: Bilal, like, get the, uh, I got the ones, the suede with the fur on the inside. Ooh, those are the ones the, you want. On the
1: inside. <laughs> for, you just wear yeah. them stops. around the
0: house. Yeah, the, I think those the are called the Boston, the
2: Boston clogs. The Boston clogs, I believe they're called. And that's,
0: I got the, uh, the just ru- the rubber one, the full rubber, the pool side. Work and stuff you know? oh yeah okay. oh the
2: evas so that's a big part of the story actually so okay guys okay <laughs> we you go. know what it's this is, this is fun fact fan time all right i'm about to download on you guys stop me at any point to interject because i know some people don't like it when i rant but that's what's about to happen right now okay so let's start the story uh well, well let, i'll answer the first thing because Bilal teased it uh, a, a private equity company backed by lvmh and bernard orno who is the owner of lvmh is called l Catterton. They're $30 billion private. El
1: Métis.
2: Yeah. El Métis is the big owner in El Catterton uh, PE company. They bought a, they, they acquired Birkenstock from the Birkenstock family. This brand goes back 250 years uh, in 2021 for about $5 billion. They're trying to flip it into the public market this week. Uh, flip is not a fair word. We know that Bernardo knows is a long-term thinker, but they're trying to take it public at a $10 billion valuation. I'll give you some perspective. They did 1.3 billion last year. So they're asking for eight times revenue, which is insane because LVMH is five times revenue. And then most shoe companies like a Crocs or a Skecher, are like one times revenue. So like they're asking for eight times when LVMH, the Lux King is five times. So just think about that, right? It's crazy. Having yeah. said that, there are a lot of reasons why you think a company like Birkenstock might be worth. They have a very powerful brand like Jack
0: what's a what's a eight time what's a comparative like what Rocks company trades 6. at eight no, what 1. trades 6. at what trades at eight i'm saying
2: oh uh like a uh, eight times revenue like a high growth uh stock. tech stock yeah like like, a, software like, a, and stuff. like 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 it was like uh, just take fang and it's hideous at top 21 uh, or like some of the bullshit that we were investing in
1: infinity well the, uh, the best example PT. i can give right
2: now in the current market is that lvmh is five times this is yes. the, the premium luxury company in the world yeah right? yeah yeah
0: the highest premium yeah. ever pay for a brand yeah so just a brand yeah.
2: yeah you're talking about but like this is a this story is great and i wanted to talk about it, a because it's probably the buzziest ipo for a lot of people that they know the brand uh but Jack will appreciate the lindiness of it, right? So their F1 document, which is, a, I didn't even realize this. My, Mr. CFA here didn't even realize it. So the S1 is a document that you file when you want to go public as an American company. The F1 is for foreign companies. So I read through their F1. They mentioned the following words over 20 times, centuries old, multiple centuries, centuries, right? And then they mentioned the word heritage, Fifteen times tradition, twenty times. It's a Lindy type of sale they're trying to take to the market. Mm. They're saying this brand has been around for two hundred and fifty years, and you want to know what's Lindy? You guys will appreciate this. What is a nickname given to the Birkenstock? What type of sandal do people call it? Balau or Jack? I'm not sure. Is it who's it a reference to? When you see a Birkenstock sandal, what time period is it referencing? Roman. Or Ro- roman or this called the jesus sandal right no and, Got uh, it. yeah yeah like it's like it's the leather sandals are in the bible that's how the roman back. empire yeah the leather sandals. there sandal we go the is roman empire strikes in the bible. Again. <laughs> how lindy is that that's idea? eight times eight yeah. times
0: they must have seen all those tiktoks yeah every day out.
1: people are thinking about Bir- it's really just starts <laughs> making people think of the roman and Empire. exactly
2: really. right so like the leather sandal goes back thousands of years right and mm. uh stock is a preeminent leather sandal in the world. It's like, this is the brand that's associated with it. Now, what's even lindier than leather sandals? Walking. Walking is the lindiest thing in the history of mankind, right? So when Bilal says he goes for an eight hour walk, and he's like, walk to earn. You know that's Bilal. Yeah. Walk to <laughs> Walk, walk to Bringing Urn. it back. No, but so walk this to Urn,
0: is. to earn, I said, uh, on from oh, yeah, right, uh, right. one of the older. That's right. Walk uh, to
2: earn. So that's quite lindy. So it doesn't mean that walking uh, will be a good business, but, uh, so they actually have good technology in the shoes, right? Like this is the, this is, I'll give you guys a timeline, 250 years old and it goes back to 1774. It's a bit of a stretch of a claim though. So I'm gonna tell you guys a timeline. You tell me if you believe that they can claim it's 250 years old. So 1774, there's a gentleman named, I believe, Jacob Uh Birkenstock. He was listed as a cobbler in German archives. Okay. So that's what they're, that's what they're claiming. They're saying there's a guy named, Birkenstock that was listed as a cobbler in German archive 250 years ago. But then the first Birkenstock arch didn't come out until uh, 1880s. And they didn't manufacture the Birkenstock insole until 1925. And then they didn't release a sandal until 1963. So based on those three things I just told you, what time period do you think they could legitimately claim that this has been a brand? can they take it to the cobbler days or is it when they mass manufactured the insole?
0: I mean, when you sell your first product, isn't it? Is it not?
2: Okay. So 1880s then. That's it's like the saying first...
0: that Michelin is a 5,000 year old company because there was a wheel. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I like how Jack framed that. So even if you call it 1880s, right. But that, but we've talked about LVMH. What does, bernardo no aka old matey what does he appreciate he likes old brands so i'm gonna hit jack up with this i want you to do an analysis of this birkenstock as a brand jack so we're giving it 1880 when it released the art support i'll talk through the actual technology and the art support uh uh, later but i want jack's thoughts about the brand the brand of birkenstock your thoughts
0: well you know what um i was i think we did this on the pod even before hermes makes the most expensive luxury like you know mass recognized luxury product in the world the Birkenbag right yeah and yeah, it's we almost it, yeah. universally agreed that they are the oldest brand of their kind 1837 I think
2: right with leather Hermes. saddles for the Napoleon family
0: right Incre- incredible history there so you can <laughs> imagine the and Hermes is still independent in it
2: it's a publicly listed company uh, uh the family owns the majority of
0: it yeah but they but there it's like yeah. by itself yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, it feels to me like that narrative or that proven you know formula of the th- the i don't know utility thing being transformed into a high end luxury thing like you can imagine they're going to start pull in all these strings to do collaborations across their portfolio of brands too, to make the $1,000, the $2,000 book. And st- that would be my prediction. Is that what, that's what they'll do. Oh,
2: oh you, okay. Interesting. You saying they're going to, so they have collaborated, for example, with Dior to make $1,000 right. sandals. You're saying that ha- like for them to, uh, to reach this valuation, like that's a credible path to get there.
0: I feel like that's the yeah that's their best their best shot and they have the like exclusive ability to unlock collaborations with the yes. most valuable brands in the world outside of what they yeah yeah
2: they fully okay they, uh, Jack, network, network effect nailed, with their own shit. Yeah you know the great point because the reason why L Catterton invested in them and why Bernardo Nó likes them and apparently he likes their progress so much he's not going to sell as many of his shares in his IPO as expected so like he really appreciates this brand. And what's interesting about everything you just said, Jack, is Bernardo No likes certain things. He likes full control, right? Vertical integration. When he acquired LVMH in 1989, he, he combined retail, manufacturing, distribution. It was separate before, he brought it all in house, right? Birkenstock produces all their footbeds, all their sandals, or 95% of their sandals in five German uh, factories. Like they're not outsourcing this to Asia. You know what I mean? So, oh, there it is. There it is. How much is it? Jack's showing the D over Broken Stock. $1,100. Right. So, like, you, what you guys will laugh about, actually, is like over the past decade, when, uh, so a big part of the turnaround is it went under professional management, which I'm going to talk about. But Supreme, the streetwear brand, which is known for collabs, they approached Birkenstock, Stock like a decade ago, but the previous owner told them to kick rocks. They're like, we're not whoring our shoe out. So, like, I think that's going to change as a public company, right? Uh, Jack nailed it. He's on StockX right now, looking at Birkenstocks. So let me talk a bit about the foot Dussie, technology. Did you,
0: I haven't. I haven't seen this before. They got a lot. Oh, oh, the
2: the Here's a five hundred dollars yeah. Stussy collab. It's up to only
0: six now. left.
2: Yeah, Get only it. six left. Get it before so, it's gone. Not Bilal.
0: investment advice. Yeah. <laughs> investment advice.
2: But Bilal, <laughs> let me let me convince Balao about uh getting himself a pair of Birkenstocks, um, and comp- and convincing the misses about the uh the. The, the positive effects of having broken stocks. Blah. What is the problem with modern day shoes? Are you aware? What is wrong is the with human foot? It's the yeah. So Elevate can you describe heel. broadly? So what is the human foot since Flat. Lindy times supposed to be in pushed into the soil in the sand? Right. Yeah. Like every a lot of people of get foot,
1: problems because the back. That's why you had these zero drop shoes. You had those yeah. annoying looking. um Thing where people would look like their toes are on, you know, like the yeah. toe shoes. You know what they yeah, called yeah, yeah. the running Vibrams. shoes that were like Vibrams, Vibrams, like those style. But then foot Nike, gloves, foot
2: gloves, foot gloves. For,
1: yeah, yeah. But eventually, Nike away. and the Everyone others away, ended they? up making the the zero drop shoes or very close to zero drop for that reason too.
2: but the thesis being, before shoes, the human foot would touch every part of the ground, right? Yeah. So that means every part, the pressure is distributed evenly and crush your entire foot. With shoes, though, and modern society sidewalks, paved roads, flooring, it's a flat, hard ground. And so like Bilal said, your foot isn't evenly distributed. It's not, it's not melding into the ground. It's the the heel and the front is where all the pressure is being distributed. And that's actually, you know, I'm not a podiatrist, obviously, but like I can see the argument for why that would cause after whatever I do 10,000 steps a day, but I'll just a million. <laughs> you know, like that can cause long-term harm. So the, the Birkenstock footbed, the whole point is that it distributes all the pressure to all parts of your foot. Loving this. That, okay. Right. Okay. So that, so, but Bilal, I'm
1: convinced. No, I was already go. planning to get some at some point. Now you sold me. Go to the Birkenstock
2: show, sir. There's, a, the $800 there's a little stu- kiff
1: season. right near me. I yeah. might yeah. just pop over there today. Yeah, they, yeah, there so that's a the tech,
2: right? So that, when you ask me if this is, if it, is this eight times revenue? Like, it sounds insane, right? But there is technology behind it. They have to deal with counterfeits. Uh, and to Belau's point, thinking about is interesting, Is like, it's only 25% men's customers now. There's no reason why this could be 50-50 men's, women's, right? It's called the Jesus Sandal, for sakes, right? It's like, right, this could be 50-50. Uh, Asia, they haven't penetrated Asia. You know who likes sandals? Asians like sandals. They're <laughs> yeah. like brands yeah, too, uh, especially yeah, they like me. brands too, man. I can tell you living in Vietnam, that sandal game, them flip-flops was everywhere. Um, but uh, so uh, let, me, let me give you guys a little bit of the turnaround story, which is very fascinating. So uh, we like to dog on consultants, right? I mean, what are some things we've said about consultants? What does a consultant do? It goes into corporations. I mean, here, give me a job. What, what is this? To tell tax? you the time. <laughs> Say it again, Jack? Say it again? Borrow
0: your watch to tell you the time.
2: Okay, so a consultant will go into a company, go to the CEO. Hey, can I see your watch? Here's the time, right? <laughs> you, they're telling you stuff you already know, right? It's like, hey, have you thought about cutting costs? Oh, no, I haven't. Thank you, McKinsey. I didn't think about cutting costs, right? But the whole, the the, the stock story, so for our consultant listeners, this is the greatest example of a consulting in, coming in, turning on business that I read in my life. The CEO of Birkenstock, his name is Oliver Reichardt. Before uh, becoming an outside consultant uh, to Birkenstock in 2009, he was a crisis reporter in the Congo. And he was, uh, he ran, he was a managing director at a German TV sports station. Zero background in fashion, zero background in footwear. Uh, They interviewed him, uh, the the Cut magazine interviewed him 2018, five years into his turnaround. He says, I don't give a shit about fashion. I don't know anything about fashion. He goes, I don't know anything about uh, mass production of, of footwear. This is when he started. I'll tell you what I do know, though. People love Birkenstock. People have bought $100 million of Birkenstock in 2009, even though this company did zero marketing. Its production's a disaster. The three brothers running it, all Birkenstock family, are fighting They have no idea what they want to do with the future of it. He comes in, he's like, this is a sleeping giant. So he comes in 2009, outside consultant. He gets to the brothers to sell their stake in the business. So it gets under the control of one brother, streamlines the entire corporate structure. He releases the sandals that Jack mentioned, the EVA rubber sandals. So that's $65 sandal when the normal one is about 150. So broadens the market. And now those rubber sandals account for 15 to 20% of 30 million that they sell a year. So he expanded it. 2016, they launched Birkenstock.com. Didn't even have a website. And now 40% of the business is online. And then 2021, he calls up old Nady. He's like, hey, I think you would like this business, Birkenstock. He convinces the Birkenstock family after 240 plus years to sell or Bernard Arnault and uh, L. Catterton, and then two years later, he's trying to flip it. So this is the greatest consulting turnaround I've had ever had in my ever heard in my life. Uh, so thoughts on that?
0: What's the uh, what's the thesis for taking this private public separately? Then how they? Yeah,
2: great question. The, it, it was actually mentioned. So you actually brought the counter to it which is that you think you can sell higher-end shoes in these luxury collaborations. But a French industry consultant told Der Spiegel, which is a major a German newspaper, he said, the problem with Birkenstock is if you go to Dior or LVMH, you can sell shoes and perfume. He's like, and, and handbags. He actually doesn't think Birkenstock can be the brand extension. He doesn't think Birkenstock can move into the perfumes. So, which kind of makes yeah, sense, it right? Yeah, like, like sandals yeah, and not no, quite. he's just like that's but, the reason why it wasn't brought into the LVMH empire because every other company in LVMH LVMH's yeah, empire, yeah, like
1: Dior can do a uh, fifty thousand dollar bag, do, yeah,
2: the fifty uh, the hundred dollar handkerchief, it can bring you into the world, right? Whereas broken stock, I mean, you might buy two, like Bilal's about to drop right. five hundred on a yeah. nice uh, no, I mean, on you a can costume. see them
1: doing like backpacks or like some other kind of apparel yeah, but not really like, handmade, like a broken
2: stock bag yeah doesn't that really doesn't hit, make right? sense
1: yeah 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 because the i'm thinking footing like, is made made of luggage like, yeah i'm thinking yeah, yeah can, it's you, really the it's really the footwear that? So, not does really... that
2: make sense so do yeah. you guys agree that most of the LVMH brands you actually can still get like, more way of higher.
1: that yeah.
0: But they'll do the they'll do the cross brand stuff just to make the fifty dollar Birkenstocks more desirable to your exactly. the right? Dior version yeah.
1: yeah. That's like this, a great Nike point.
0: is this like the Jordan story, right? It's the like there are two thousand there are two thousand dollars Jordans, and then there are like the sort of Jordan silhouette that you get in Walmart, which are selling a hundred thousand of a year. Which, by the way, I was. Uh, have you seen this thing on Amazon now, where it shows the like quantity sold of stuff? No. So there's a new thing on the on the like collection page on Amazon where it says 100 plus sold this month, 500 sold this month, a thousand sold this month. I don't know how transparent it is, but just uh kind of fascinating to see them open sourcing that. I, I guess it makes the, you know. People buy the things that have social board. proof attached to them. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. still like, uh, it's I just, a you weird. go on, if you search Birkenstock, EVA Birkenstock on Amazon, the first thing that comes up is funky monkey comfort slides, which are like a total ripoff, one for one, like on Amazon.com, prime deal, like, it's just kind of fascinating how stock uh,
2: actually took their inventory off of Amazon, uh, to control the uh, the perceived value of it. But so these it, will
0: be like secondary sellers or something.
2: And and and, no, and the other thing though is like tons of counterfeits, right? That's a problem with any trendy footwear. Also, a Vietnam Asia story. I mean, blah. I know even in Southeast Asia. Asia. You roll into the markets in Thailand or Vietnam.
1: Oh, they're selling everything, yeah. Bro, right off I the bat, got back of the popping off. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, you go down to Canal Street down in uh, New York, you get some of that too. But, but I was gonna say, um, but just to bring it back to the original point, which was doubling of value, like pretty incredible work either way. Whoever's behind that, as you described,
2: Oliver Riker.
1: the the guy but i was looking this up like other multiples for other footwear brands you kind of mentioned some and i don't know how accurate these are just quickly googled it but nike is a roughly like three three x adidas 2.9 puma 2.6 deckers and sketches are the smaller ones but they're 1.9 1.8 so similar to um yeah i mean like that there's still a huge premium of 8x so like you made the case there for why and i it kind of makes sense, like if they are smaller, and you're like, well, once you add it to this bigger company, or once they go uh, public, sorry, now we can actually use that capital to expand in new markets, uh, extra lines, whatever. But still, that's a premium you're paying. The Dude, premium you're by Eight times. I mean, so- this is. The on
0: that. Like, that it's what already has to happen? Sort of yeah, yeah. Why has to happen for you to get that, that <laughs> but like evaluation? <laughs> is absolutely mental. I bet yeah, this thing. Crazy. I
2: bet this thing gets out the door at eight, seven or eight. Not people, not investment advice. For the love of God, Definitely okay. Not. Definitely. And not. Uh, it, it'll probably be by Q4. I mean, some of these other listings who saw Instacart arm—they're all down. Um, and uh, and listen, we're, we're some wild shit's going on in the world right now, people. Uh, and. Uh, and that's going to affect uh, a lot of the uh, market sentiment, but not investment advice. Having said that, well, the other thing I'll add is this uh, NYU professor Aswath Damadoran, some of you probably are familiar with him. He does the greatest content on breakdowns for F1s. I didn't finish the episode on it, but uh, Google uh Birkenstock uh, 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 NYU professor. Cause he has a very interesting thing, which I'd like to throw to you guys. Just uh, one thought. He, uh, he goes, if you look at a lot of the technology, okay, if you look at a lot of the top stocks from the 80s, oil companies, right? Banks, those assets that they have are very tangible, right? It's literally what's on the balance sheet of a bank, billions of dollars in deposits. What are the tangible assets for an oil company? It's oil in the ground, right? But nowadays, what are the top companies in the world? It's Google, Amazon, Apple, uh, uh, Microsoft, uh, Meta. So much of the value of these companies is intangible it's in the things that you cannot actually compute based on like old traditional finance right what's the value of a network effect right what's the value of being the number one brand for search right we obviously people invest and you can you can figure out what intangible assets are based off what's the difference between cash on the balance sheet and the market cap like that's a really crude way of looking at it but the point that the professor is making is like bergen saw a very interesting version of this so everything we just talked about, Bilal just kind of mentioned it. It's like, you know, it's not really like Puma. is t- Puma's two and a half times. But we can feel in our gut that Birkenstock's a better brand than Puma, right? Like the brand of Birkenstock, that to me feels, it feels luxury. I don't know if that's just me. It kind of feels like It's definitely luxury.
1: got more hype around it. But, but yeah. I think it really depends who you ask and, and like uh, the time. Because Puma a few years ago was having you know, the a real moment. hot moment when they, I mean, because yeah. I was working on it at the time and they had like, Rihanna was doing a collaboration with them. They did a whole line, I think, with her. And then all these brat like Adidas, obviously oh, popped um, off with Kanye. like. So they've all had their kind of times, but you're right, Birkenstock is kind of in its own category because it's so unique. Usain Bolt, do you remember that, Bilal? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah That yeah, was yeah, huge. Yeah. That was the time. That Puma the did time. some good work for a bit, man. Then they dropped yeah. a lot of the football teams like Arsenal. Now uh, Adidas won that now they had a cool, cool team in town. So uh Wow, they are Swindon Town kit sponsor. Swindon town so, as Swindon well. Town Damn, a... they're really swinging for yeah. the fences there, man. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, killing it, man. But yeah, um right, yeah, that was a great breakdown, Trunk. Thanks for sharing that. And that, did you already put that newsletter out or was coming up.
2: Yeah, newsletter's week? out so uh, people can check that out at read com. Just there to clarify, is it
1: is it still sat post but Reed Trung is a domain. What how you are you friends with it yeah, now? yeah,
2: it's just a domain. Because you guys remember how hard uh, Twitter is throttling uh, links, so I had to switch that up.
0: Absolutely, Reed Trung, keep it easy. Yeah. How yeah, much yeah. is Trung.com? By the way, have you found that?
2: Uh, I did. I looked at it, it. It's multiple thousands. I don't know who it is. I mean, listen, there are a lot of, I, I know some songs in the world by name that are a lot richer than me. Like the former CTO of Uber is a trunk. I appreciate well, there's the your exit the liquidity early. right
1: there. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's thinking <laughs> clear over here. Well, wow, let's, uh, let's kick off
2: the next topic. I don't know let's if you have I'm going to share yeah, it. Can
1: you, uh, do you want to read this one out, Trunk? You had it. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll read it out if you want
2: to share it. So this one kicked sake. off a little bit of a uh, 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 big uh, Twitter convo. Actually, hold on a second. Can I even?
1: I'll share the screen if you want, but uh, I'll let you read it. Uh,
2: you know what? Here, let me tee it up for the listeners. Uh, I'll get the Nassim Taleb. So who's often referenced All on right. here? Actually, the popularizer of the term Lindy, uh, uh, you know, a former uh, trader uh, turned uh, intellectual and uh, frequent uh, Twitter beefer. Um, shit post on his own you. way. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna show you guys this screenshot of something uh I wrote um about SBF. I don't Have you guys read the book at all?
1: Not yet. What book?
2: So for those that don't the, know, the Michael, Michael Lewis, Lewis released one. the book Was that uh, out already. I did not yeah, wow, So That's uh, where that
1: uh, what he's about to share is from that, I think, right?
2: Yeah, hold on a second here. I'm and, how much it. have you read? I'm have you
1: are you've quite went into it? it? Is it worth is it worth reading?
2: Uh, I mean it's a character study of FB, SBF. SPF. Uh I know them. I know There's been kind of mixed reviews
1: from what I've seen. Yeah. yeah Can you stick quite it in courageous. barely AI for us?
2: Yeah, I'll do it for you in barely AI. Barely Thank you very much. B-E-A-R-L-Y dot ai. But uh so I wrote this. So from the book, uh, Michael Lewis quoted a blog post that SPF had written in 2012. I didn't know about the blog post, but Michael Lewis unearthed it. So this is what Michael Lewis wrote. To Sam's way of thinking, the case against Shakespeare could be made with basic statistics. So before I get into what SBF said about Shakespeare, I want to tee up the next probably 15, 20 minutes of this conversation up by saying this argument boiled down to boils down to a very analytical, quantitative way of trying to understand uh, uh performance and achievement. So uh we're gonna talk later about Kelvin Kiptum, who just set the marathon record by running two hours and 35 seconds uh he will break the two hour uh, uh marathon mark soon almost assuredly but the point is that's a very objective measure of quality right it's like uh this is how humans have as runners it's but yeah are you getting not better subjective. At running a Yeah, it's like
1: you run a certain time you
2: writing didn't. is extremely subjective right and when you analyze any type of art there's a lot of dimensions with which you look at it you consider the art for its time like Oh, was Shakespeare way ahead of every other person that he wrote at the time? Almost certainly he was. The 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 depth of his writing, the, the 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 character nuance, the character studies. Was it an impressive achievement in terms of the technology that was available or like uh uh the context of the time? Was it an intellectual time? So like you give extra credence to people that seem to find, discover things, which is so abnormal to like Isaac Newton discovering, you know of gravity uh, inventing calculus within like a five-year period. It's so abnormal, right? It's like, think about the average thinker of that time. So there are a lot of ways to like kind of look at these subjective achievements. I guess attitude does not really count, but like literature is quite subjective, same with art. But the point being made is it's a different value assessment than saying, I ran three hours marathon a hundred years ago, and now it's whatever, two hours, right? Very, very different so we're on the same page of that right guys
1: yeah and by the way yeah. i just want to clarify i accidentally said subjective before when i meant objective okay. just okay. to uh correct yeah. myself there
2: so this is what sbf said about shakespeare i could go on and on about the feelings of shakespeare but really i shouldn't need to the Bayesian priors are pretty damning so let me the Bayesian priors uh don't have to get too deep in it but it's like you basically assess the world how it is you 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 look at it and you assign a certain probability how things are uh, based on your current assessment in the world. That's the prior. But as soon as you're new information, you have to change that, inf- like your assessment, right? You have to basically change your prior assessment of the situation. So he says about half the people born since 9- 1600 have been born in the past 100 years. But it gets much worse than that. When Shakespeare wrote, almost all Europeans were busy farming, and very few people attended university. Few people were even literate, probably as low as 10 million. By contrast, there are now upwards of a billion literate people in the Western sphere. What are the odds that the greatest writer would have been born in 1564? So he's making like a numbers based argument, right? It's like, what are the odds that this would happen? That of uh, you have a billion people that can write today or you have 10 million that can write in that time. Like just based on numbers, what would you guys say? Like based on numbers, like, oh, he's right. It's like based on pure probability, It's more likely that the greatest writer ever. Well, Jack, love your talk. His
0: argument is bullshit because the there's five hundred years of activity around the stuff that Shakespeare wrote. That's why he's considered.
2: This is the Lindy argument, right? It's like the proof that it's still relevant today is the filter that matters, right? Like, would you say that?
0: Well, I think you could say, like, in five hundred years, you could look again and see if somebody has exceeded the like mind share of shakespeare and then yeah you might be right that that person was alive today but like yeah the argument is i know it's like pseudo intellectual bullshit basically i i don't really (laughs) but
2: this is why why it it went nuclear this is why it went nuclear viral because i obviously swim in tech twitter everyone chimed in so this is what this is what taleb said he had a very uh similar argument he actually used the lindy argument to what jack said the problem of people like sbf is knowing a tiny bit of statistics to parrot about it but not understanding processes that is dynamic across time shakespeare has survived nearly half the millennium of filtering by time right
0: right
1: right,
2: right? so like but like jack that's another variable me, essentially right?
1: that he's not accounting for he's exactly. honing in on this like, one filtered view which is and he's also doing it in like a very, like you said, pseudo-intellectual way, like using large words that aren't even necessary here. You could, be, you know, but you that could explain it in a simpler way. But they're don't understand
2: something subjective.
0: And there's some gut check yeah. there where a hundred years of people being much more literate, producing and reading literature, there is not a name second close to Shakespeare. In my, like, right. in my opinion, if you went around the world and said, who's the most famous writer ever, you're getting Shakespeare every single time. And like somebody may have had 25% of time as the same amount of exposure, and there's not even a remote competitor.
2: Like Dickens, so. like maybe Dickens is the only other good name would even come up, right? Yeah.
0: I and guess I what think, about any of the uh, religious texts? Matthew no, Martin, but there's, no the there's no like single
1: author, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay.
2: Wait, actually, guys, let me throw this to you. I'm gonna do, I'm still manning the other side because I read through all the comments, right? So it. Uh, Jack actually sent me an article from Richard Hanania. Um, he's a popular sub-stacker. And he actually, he agrees with SPF. He says people are not engaging with the argument that he's making. Because his point to what Jack said is this, actually. Jack's, Jack's talking, the, the, you're talking over each other. As in, Jack's adding a variable to this argument. He's saying, fil- you're adding the filter of time to the argument. So now you're saying, Subjectively, time should be added to this. And then and something that's related to that idea is this the power law of fame, the power law of success, right?
0: To the victor go. Yeah.
2: The victor, Shakespeare is winning also because he's won, right? No, there's no oxygen for anybody else to win. This is the argument from this would be the argument from the rationalist side. There are there are better writers, potentially but shakespeare separate from him as a quote qual- the quality of his writing and him uh, being uh, for his time and through 500 years one of the greatest um uh, describers of human emotion right of human relationships he's also just sucked out all the oxygen that when you go to high school they're not allowing anyone else he's become the substrate with which everybody understands culture so the the the, the contra argument is then that that actually just shows you how this is a power law thing and not a a, mm. a uh, quality thing. So, Jack, what are like your thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's true. I think the like to say that you're adding some subjective filter to it when it's already a subjective thing that you're trying to assess right so again it's like another layer of bullshit on top of the intellectual, bullshit. Yeah.
2: intellectual master it's, it's like,
0: like yeah yeah but taylor swift is the you know the william shakespeare of 2023 it's like Which is, is taylor swift
1: the... undisputedly true let's be honest you know
0: <laughs> you can fact check me on that one you could put community notes on me for that one but it's like yeah. the the response to the thing at the time is i don't know the you can't you can't take those two things apart like something existing in a vacuum or like analyzing these two things in a vacuum anybody that analyzes it has has a bias that comes from their experience or whatever else but yeah it's just again just like hypothetical scenario that basically describes i guess the mentality that leads you to do a 50 billion dollar like fraudulent whatever the fuck
2: yeah up going down it's
0: like you think that you have this incredible understanding of the world but it's actually led you to do inc- insanely stupid things
2: yeah yeah fair the, that what you said jack is one of the most popular quote retweets uh it went something along the lines of this when you're so smart you're dumb that was yeah, uh, that yeah. was right it's like you're so smart with these uh, uh the framing of this problem in statistical terms that you think you solve it but all you're doing is proving how dumb you are
0: yeah. Right. It's really, it's like uh definitely Taleb is the is the guy to comment on this, like the fat Tony thing, right? It's like Shakespeare. You, it? you know, well, the I can't intellectual yet idiot, right? That's one yeah. of his acronyms that he uses across his books. It's like people like SBF go IYI. to whatever school, hang around with whatever type of person, exist completely separate from reality, play video games all day, and don't have interactions with people. Mm. And then I think Fat Tony is the like New Jersey like man of the people in and out of reality <laughs> like having conflict with real people figuring shit out making stuff is like can instantly smell and spot bullshit uh, yeah, right yeah. away versus the guy that writes for the new york times is like oh all millionaires must be fucking basketball players or whatever you remember that yeah yeah yeah
2: bro it's exactly that you can find it but jack was lit up that <laughs> episode
0: uh, no, so go now do the get the screen share again because the last paragraph is the best is the best all part. right let's pull this up here the so last, the last paragraph. paragraph says oh here we go yeah got on. the lessons for the, from the data on rich earners first rich people own among members of the top 0.1%. The researchers found about three times as many make the majority of their income from owning a business as from being paid a wage. Salaries don't make people rich nearly as often as equity does. That was the, like, when I read that sentence, it's like, how can you write that? Like, how can, <laughs> what, what is your concept of what a salary is or where it comes from? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, So your assumption is that there is this like there are businesses that pay out more salaries than they do increase in value. It's like that just doesn't make any there's no logical universe where you can make sense of that statement. So then I, you know, the caption written to a company on Twitter was perfect. It was like this is just an ad for how disconnected. And I don't think, you know, you could say it's like the New York Times, but it's obviously um, a school of thought that is not one person's, like not one person's view. It's just a complete misunderstanding of like how value is created. And it's a huge problem because it's like, I don't think you can make good decisions if you don't understand how the world operates that way or how money moves around or how value is created. And, 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 to like take issue with how much people are getting paid and make suggestions about how to fix it without understanding the source of funds is just completely moronic. No. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like this is the same, this is the same yeah. symptom, right? It's like the over intellectualized, like, has writing never met a blog a kitchen post,
2: fitter. he's never yeah. met a kitchen fitter. exactly.
0: Writing a blog post (laughs) about a question that nobody fucking cares about the answer to anyway.
2: Yeah, you know you you want to know. There's a phrase that Tumblr says. Tumblr says this all the time, and I love it. Your ideas, the phrasing says, contact with reality. Wait until ideas touch reality, right? And this comes from three guys that spend a lot of time in digital realm, but it is so true. Your view of the world versus. Instant contact with reality. I think this is a great demonstration of it.
0: Well, you know, I mean, there's something there is something odd about this too because he was able to scale up fucking FTX, albeit like fraudulently and on like a false premise, with all of this like posing as a as a genius, right? Yeah. Because yeah. the internet removes you from that in some way, or like you've abstracted yourself away from reality enough where you that's just feel serving it's you until it out, doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You, got, you got to the point where you eventually blew up and I'm, there's another Taleb, you know, Turkey. What's the the, the Every, lifespan the turkey, of a turkey, turkey look like? The
2: turkey problem. Yeah. Every day <laughs> of Turkey's life is getting better and better until the day that it's, the day before, before Trung has a big turkey on Thursday, uh, Sunday, exactly. uh, yesterday, right? Exactly. But uh, uh, it's, it's basically explaining how there's certain things you just can't extrapolate from the past. And it's just it, like, it happens with the mortgage crisis. Everything's kind of going up and then explodes. But, so, Bla, I love your thoughts on the, the subjectiveness of this. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, no, I don't have much more to add, to be honest. I, I do think what Jack said there made sense around, like, if, this is a big philosophical discussion that doesn't really need to be that big in terms, it's a subjective question in the first place. And I guess, like, all of these sorts of discussions are going to be subjective. But like you said, it's not like, we could discuss what are the variables that will impact a marathon race time right and like you can identify those you can study those and you can test those over time and see progress what you described there about um the power law versus being objectively the best with something creative and subjective i that is kind of the thing that to me as well that stands out where like the question is is the best thing really just the thing that stood the test of time that everyone knows about or is that also just because more people heard about it and it had to, in market in terms the best upper funnel that it got through all the way that more people know about it now all right so Birken you know, stocks it, and beckham yeah
2: Be- <laughs> yeah oh, guys, hold on that's <laughs> the we title actually, of the episode there, can we actually yeah. <laughs> about <laughs> how we feel about this uh, i'm gonna ask you guys pointedly a yes no question Uh, So I'll ask Blah first. Do you think that the power of law and the lineanness of something should be uh, tied into whether the the quality of a subjective work? Like in Mona Lisa is another one of these. Mona Lisa is not the greatest painting by Leonardo da Vinci by any stretch. Like uh, uh, technically, it's not his best work. Uh, Many many, uh, people will agree to this. Do you think, though, the lindiness... Jack's
1: face. I know Jack's got yeah. a thought on this. So I wonder. Wait, Jack, I the artist in the room, <laughs> okay. we need to get his take Jack, on that. because uh, do you I have to tie
2: lindiness and power law into the subjective quality or can you separate it? Let me ask Jack.
1: And is Mona Lisa the greatest work of his?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. But the, I don't know, the I guess consensus at scale gets less and less... Uh, subjective you know like the small group of technical painters that analyze the quality of that painting like within that within that group that's the consensus then you go out one more ring and it's yeah. less of the consensus one more four more five more and the meme around the mona lisa is like it got stolen by this person it moved here it, it like became this uh, you know, story bigger than itself that gave it more meaning than it may have had because of its technical prowess. And these questions are all like ridiculously philosophically <laughs> deep, right? Like we can, yeah. I don't Perfect even have- for NIA, I think. <laughs> I don't I have the vocabulary to articulate how I really feel about it, but it is hilarious that these things that don't have objective measures, well, you say they don't have objective measures. Like if you could- retroactively figure out how many hours people have spent reading Shakespeare or producing derivatives of Shakespeare, I'm fairly sure there's probably an objective measure that you could reverse engineer to support this point, right? Be the consultant, come in and say, hey, the Romeo and Juliet derivatives exceed basically any other written piece of literature ever. Like every... Every class in school learns about it, they do a play on it, but it's just like reverberated through Jack, culture. Actually, for a let long, me long what time. you
2: said, the frame you gave is so brilliant. And I, I let me let me actually use what you just said, the concentric circles. So if you talk a bunch of paint experts, like people that are experts in the chemical paint, they'll be like, Oh yeah, show uh more research, more impressive on this. Yeah. <laughs> but as you go up, but th- I love what you said though, like the further out you go, the more objective it gets. There there are pretty some pretty objective things. What is the most visited painting in the world? It's a Mona Lisa. Ten million people a year see it. I love how you said it, though. The more further out you get, there, there actually is some objectivity to it. Now there are people. And I'm gonna call up my boy Adam Singer here, because Adam, I know you listen to this, and Adam has very strong feelings about art and the popularity of art. I would love yeah. to know his comments about what we're saying, but because I know that he, uh, from what I've read and what our interactions, like the popularity of something, he thinks shouldn't be that variable, which suggests. It's quality, right? Because we're kind of delving into that right now. It's like the qu- we're, we're we're adding this. Okay. How about we should... use
0: this? How about we use this word? Resonance.
2: Okay. Resonance. Like
0: quality is subjective. Resonance you can measure, right? Resonance yeah, okay. is a that's yeah. a
1: great frame for that. Yeah. A
0: scientific yeah. phenomena that you can't like. Despite your opinion, something has a certain degree of resonance or not, and it is spread sure. and it's talked about or
1: it's not.
2: Yeah. but And the the, the
0: incentives that exist around resonance are actually controversy. Like, why is David Beckham one of the most famous footballers in the world? Is it because he takes great free kicks? Yes, and he married one of the most famous women in the world at the time, had all of these like mental scandals going on around him. He won the genetic lottery and he's fucking beautiful, right? It's like all of these different things.
1: (laughs) Handsome, That's man. Right
2: there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: handsome man
2: this this transcript has had the most this nia transcript has had the most handsome mentioned in any of our uh, 150 plus episodes and
0: like the cross ref like i guess the cross reference of this point back to everything else we talked about is true too right like the is the birkenstock the best sandal in the world to like the sandal connoisseur probably not but is it like the sandal that exhibits the best qualities of the first or like you know the best quality is the sound that's most accessible to the most number of resonance. people yes yes
2: right this resonance. is great okay, okay so can i just add sorry yes, Trunk, can i add one last
1: thing because um back to that original point about resonance versus uh what quality. Is, is quality another frame is like let's move away from that example and just talk about like music for example right so you is the best musician in the world the one who sells the most songs uh you know sells the most cds back in the day or gets the most streams or sells the most tickets like taylor swift or is it like you know like again you had the whole uh, that music historian on or the, the 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 dude who really broke down music at a level none of us understand oh, Ted and Joy, the yeah. quality is again is subjective based on that concentric circle you talked about if you're a someone who's got PhD in music and understands classical music and jazz and then you listen to Drake you might appreciate some parts of Drake but then be like hey I actually really like this piano solo over here for a different reason and I'm not hearing it because I'm uneducated on that topic but Objectively, Drake slaps when he's on the radio or he's in the club or he's in the okay. concert, right? So, it's subjective at the end of the day. The hit back, did you see the Joel Drake Budden? Joe
0: But Yeah, 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 yeah. We oh, should have put my. that on the agenda, really. Yeah, Wait, that's good.
1: Sure. Wait, I didn't even see this. What was this? Uh,
2: Jack, I don't know the full know?
0: backstory. I just saw the picture of uh, I think Joe Budden didn't he say Drake should be hanging out with people his own age or something? This I don't know. This is very the
2: relevant. Yeah, the, the TLDRs <laughs> is a podcast clip. Joe <laughs> Budden, remember, Joe Budden saying, is a rapper. A lot less successful than New Jersey's finest.
1: Yeah, New Jersey's
2: finest. And basically, (laughs) he went on his podcast, which is quite popular, and he basically said, uh, he's criticizing Drake. Like, he's still, he's like, the type of music Drake's making is gearing towards younger audiences. And uh, what Jack kind of mentioned there is like, you know, quit making songs for like high schoolers, essentially, right? And uh, Drake clapped back on Instagram with a very long text. And the TLDR of him saying is like, basically just worry about yourself, man. Like, you you were you do you right like if you were if you were it was kind of a man in the arena quote it's like if you were still relevant to this game you wouldn't be podcasting, that's the kind of what he's saying He's like when's the last album you dropped? Right? Moth will be proud
1: like, with that one. Right,
2: and then he <laughs> and he basically said uh, he he left the biggest clap back ever. What's the what's the New Jersey area code nine seven three? He goes the last line is he goes I own a seven sixty seven you live in the 973 and fly first class maybe a couple times a year. So it's just like, resonance. Then, yeah, it's just like, listen, the, the Drake's just like, listen, if you're truly relevant in this game, you'd still be playing. I actually don't know how far this beef goes back, but Joe Button did clap back at Drake. Well, it was not really clap back. He said one of the most generic things ever. He just goes, father time is undefeated. That's all he said to Drake's response. As if to say is like, listen, man, you can act whatever age or appeal, whatever age you want. Like you will age out is basically what he's trying to say, but he's, also- and, uh,
0: and maybe he's making a little Lindy reference there.
2: Yeah. Father time is uh, who
0: we're we going to be more likely to be listening to Drake or Joe Biden in 500 yes. years. <laughs> That's the question you want to ask.
2: Yeah. We kind of, so he's basically saying, listen, you, you might think that today, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back in a hundred years. Because um, you know
0: what? Only five percent of the population is literate or whatever is the same comparison, right? Like that is a very interesting uh thing to plot over anything, basically. Like the thing that you're making at the time can only possibly resonate with this proportion of people. But as more people have the ability to process what you made, does it get more or less popular? Yeah. 100%. I tend to think that Drake's probably gonna be uh Lindier. Lindier, yeah.
1: Well, uh, we probably don't well, have given to read the direction, the
0: whole... Given the so direction on. of civilization, I should say, as a, uh, you know, as a cat uh, caveat.
1: But I was to say that we don't have to read the whole thing because it's, it's a real essay here. But Champagne Poppy, a.k.a. Drake, the first, the message starts with you have failed at music. That's <laughs> that's yeah, how you know he's taking the hook, shots right, straight try away. And open with something strong. All right, cool. Um, uh,
2: anything else, thoughts on that one? I'll do a quick one. I know. Uh, listen, any listeners? We, uh, uh I'm going to talk about Kevin, Kelvin Kelvin uh, Kipton quickly, yeah. and then I'm just give a very brief thought on uh, what's happening in Israel. Uh, I'm not going to ask either of you guys to opine on this because it's, we don't have, it's not enough uh, minutes to do this properly, but I have some strong feelings about how the media is portraying it, uh, but uh, which is kind of NIA, and then we'll try to leave on not the most uh, sour, you know, dark note. But having said that, Kel- Kelvin Kiptum is, uh, he, so two hours, 35 seconds. And if you guys have ever run 5K, I know we all have. You know how hard it is to shave one second off, right? This guy shaved 34 seconds off the previous record. And he's 35 seconds from breaking the two-hour barrier, which has never been done in a marathon. Uh, uh, Ilya Kipchoge, the greatest marathoner ever, 37 years old, did it in a controlled event in 2019. But uh, this guy... Calvin uh, Kiptum, also from Kenya. Not shocking to anyone. Kenya creates all the greatest marathoners. Something about the air. Literally, it's something about the the, 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 the elevation, right? And the oxygen that they could take. And just, they train all the time. But this guy's 23 years old. His first marathon was 10 months ago. That's <laughs> wild,
1: right? That he doesn't have insane. a
2: coach. He doesn't wow. have a, 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 a... He trains by himself. Um, so a lot of the things with these uh, marathon times that have dropped... Is uh, I think the record's been set ten times in the past decade. We talked, we mentioned it, right? And this goes back to this Shakespeare thing. With writing something subjective, like technology and improved technology, actually don't really help. In the sense of like, I think more access to internet has probably made me a worse writer than if all I did was write, right? I'm constantly distracted. The greatest writers that we know, they literally sit in a room with a typewriter right? Cormac McCarthy used the same typewriter for 50 years. Diane Steele uses the same typewriter. Typewriters, people. Like, they're putting in paper and typing. So, the idea that technology would make something subjective as, like, writing superior over time, I think that's where when it hits reality is different. Shoes, Nike shoes are very controversial past decade. The soles are huge. Google the Vaporfly 2s or the Nike Dev 163. That's what Kelvin Kipton wore. They're legal. However, the world running federations have said two things. There's a minimum amount of soul that can have because it absorbs the running and gives, it gives a lot of energy back on the bounce. And there's a carbon plate inside these running shoes. So when you're hitting the ground, it's actually bouncing you off. So over thousands of strides, it's much more beneficial to running these things because you're not getting as tired. So their shoe technology is improving. And uh, yeah, I just brought that up because I think that's a contra if yeah, I wonder,
0: like, why those are those rules in place? Just because, like, if you took that rule away, what would Nike produce? That'd be an f- interesting well, thing to see. Like no self propulsion or whatever.
2: It's the size. So they we're talking about quantitative. It's literally the size of the shoe can only be X amount of sole. Well, but why?
0: Like I'm saying, like would oh, somebody they run know a... that they
2: can get you under two hours? They know it. And the the other thing that for the running federation, this is a fair claim though. They Let said them cook, you man. Can't... That's what I say fair yeah let them cook but the, <laughs> it's like things, when they think... let
1: people have steroids in certain sports let's just steroids. see where this experiment goes is yeah. that steroids
2: though no, no well that's the thing the, No, no, no. no was... here's the thing this is what they say those like to cycling Jack, point, for
1: example it is this
2: is more relevant they it's say okay. uh they say you have the shoe has to be for sale for other people so you can't okay. do fully experimental, uh, okay. which is fair I agree with you. Let him cook. But let I think there's cook. other rules. No, but fair. have
0: like do or do a division, right? The no yeah. rules running division. I would watch that shit.
1: Yeah. Like
2: they're
0: coming in with like wings on there. It's
1: like, remember uh, when they had the basketball where you jump on a trampoline and everyone's just dunking on each other. Like yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah. what that was. It was like space yeah. jam on steroids, but oh, yeah. Stand, like, ball. All, all right. I know
2: Jack has to leave. So let me leave on this one thought. Uh, Don't need you guys to opine on it. I'll be super quick. Um, listen, there's a terrorist attack over the weekend. There's no question about it. Hamas, the Palestinian group went into Israel. The death toll now is over a thousand. Some of the grimmest shit you'll ever see. And what A, it's awful, but the part I want to say which is relevant to NIA, we always talk about Twitter and the media. And I I think what I saw this weekend, listen, it's so grim, right? Because we talk about the uh, revenue uh, ad share. It and we talked about earlier how what goes, what goes viral, right? It's controversy and like things have, listen, awful things go viral, right? We've talked about this before. It's like, but I think anybody that saw what The Times was reporting or The Washington Post or in Canada, CBC, they're calling Hamas militants, right? And there's no idea that this was a terrorist attack. And I think with Twitter over the past week or the X platform, how crazy the information sphere got. I think you're kind of seeing uh, parts of what Elon buying this platform and not letting there be top-down control of the narrative happen because I think if this was under old leadership, it'd be a very sanitized timeline. And uh, this isn't controversial to say, but the mainstream media in America outside of Fox is very aligned with left-wing and democratic thought. And left-wings and Democrats are pro not necessarily pro-Iran, but Obama did the Iranian nuke deal and he had the support of the West of a lot of the mainstream media to push that through. So I, I'm not, again, we're not going to talk about the merits of all those things. And as we mentioned pre-show, uh we talked about it. it's like 50, 60 years that uh, the history of like, we don't need to talk about any of that. I just think from a media angle, I think there's a bifurcation happening and you're seeing, I think this moment will, will be somewhere where you see why, it is important to have a platform that isn't top-down controlled. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but that was my only—that was the most relevant yeah. thought I could come up with.
1: Jack, anything before I can share something? But not from me. You go. Yeah, the only thing I'd add is yeah, I agree. Uh, in terms of, I mean, I think the citizen journalism stuff has come up before, and Twitter has always been a big part of that. Like, even if you think about the Egyptian. Uh, protest or the revolution stuff that happened when one was that like eight ten years ago I can't remember yeah I remember Twitter being a big part of that but always there was this thing about what's going to get censored is the government going to come in and block access to Twitter like that has happened in uh, parts of the world um, I get I, I agree with what you're saying I 100% agree with what I originally said before we recorded this is a very difficult this is probably yeah. the most difficult to top topic to talk about even on a podcast where it is long form which is one of the reasons i love long form is because you can actually break stuff down and talk about different complex topics the the only thing i'd say is that on twitter and social media in general you're kind of seeing these two versions i mean i see literally both versions i've lived in america for 10 years and i grew up in london and muslim background so i've got i've kind of grown up with seeing a lot more of the muslim uh you know discussion around complexities of the Palestine-Israel conflict um, and occupation. So I think I'm literally seeing my timeline completely split, like both sides where a lot of my friends, I have like plenty of Jewish and Israeli friends. I have plenty of American friends who are not Jewish, but also posting that stuff. Um, and then on the other side, there's people saying, hey, what about, uh, like, we can say this is a terrible thing, but also you're not talking about the fact that this isn't in a vacuum. This has been happening for some time. There's problems over here as well. And that's why it's very really difficult to talk about because both of those things can be true. And you can't really talk about that in a single tweet, right? Like, it's very difficult no, totally. to capture all of that nuance.
2: And last thing to say is, I totally agree that, you know, the splitting of that. And I'm referring more specifically to, what they do with the Hunter Biden laptop, right? And this is not a political statement. It's like, do you want uh, three editors in San Francisco? Basically, which is what was happening, deciding what the world sees, right? And and the citizen journalism part, well, says like, there's also the negative side in we talk about ad revenue share there's just like zero vetting going on community yeah. notes is trying as hard as it can to keep up. So I there's have old continue- videos
1: being surfaced yeah. and I, I noticed I'm like, wait a minute, I've definitely
2: seen this before. It's a total fog yeah. of war right now. Right. Yeah. But it's so clear to me seeing the, cause I have friends that don't spend, most of my friends don't spend time on social platforms. They're, they're seeing this through the lens of still what is top down, right? It's the CBCs of the world, which is the Canadian broadcaster. It is a, uh, there's a, all the newspapers here and not say all of them are one lean but certainly a lot of them are so yeah that was a, again this is not the right NIA is not the place for this to happen right yeah yeah, we're but, very uh, unqualified
1: that, to be talking about I thought
2: know. that uh, that aspect of it was something that was relevant yeah, to our listeners definitely. So I wanted to bring worth it
1: up. bringing up uh, alright cool thanks for bringing up Trung and uh, sharing uh, anything else boys before we wrap it up over here
2: uh, um else? no that's good man so great to see you guys it's been two weeks uh i know uh man we got some good feedback on people the, love the the AMA AMA. yeah AMA's always work out for us man so for, in the future i know we're not as active in telegram but when we do ask for AMA questions we, we have to tell you listeners like we we actually really enjoy doing those so like yeah. if you have a chance and you do see those like please do throw us some questions
1: yeah, we got some really funny comments. One person said it looks like Trunk is sitting for sure. So uh, that was something that was brought up for people older. For newer listeners, Trunk said he'd be standing until Bitcoin was at 69,000 again, but he's back on the seat here, because it's, it's been a it was long looking, run. I,
2: it was looking like I was going to be able to sit by the end of the year, <laughs> earlier this year. Might have but, to wait uh, a
1: little bit more, man. But yeah, anyway, but, uh, great to see you boys. That was uh, fun. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for all the support from last week's episodes and we'll uh, see you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye.